You evoke light out of the universe. Hi, welcome back. This is uh, episode seven, I think, of Speaking Into the Verse with your host, producer, editor, family, neighborhood friendly podcast man, Brayden. Um, today uh, is really interesting. I got, so I got off of um, being the guest on my first podcast. Um, shout out to Sadie and Elena for having me on um, Living in the Question. If you guys had, get a chance, please head over to um, their podcast. Listen to that episode. We had a great conversation about um, divorce and single parenting and ways to cope with and tools, different things like that when um, your life has kind of gotten shaken or you're going through um, a shattering. Um, Good things to remember like meditation and controlling your negative self-thoughts, stuff like that. But um, yeah, we had a really great conversation, the three of us. So head over to Living the Question. I will tag their um, Instagram and their podcast in the notes of this one. But um, had a great, great podcast. Um, I think that was on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Uh, The next day, really, really interesting. So I got pulled over um, by a local police officer here in the state um, or here in the city. And I like to keep all of my ducks in a row. I like, you know, having being being a man and being a single dad. I like having all of everything taken care of. Um, but something slipped my mind. Um, I just, I guess, going through life and starting a new job and everything I've been doing lately, I just it blew my mind completely. That um, I back in uh, a few months ago, I guess, I got pulled over. Had, me and my brother were on our way down to Moab and I got pulled over for going a little too fast, which happens. Um, we weren't being crazy or doing anything stupid. It wasn't under the influence of anything. We were just going too fast. We got pulled over. Happens to the best of us, right? Um, but I got a ticket and they gave you, they give you um, a couple days to, I think up to 12 days to get in contact with the, the botting, whoever's in charge of that area. Uh, get in contact with them, see if we need to pay a fine or go to traffic court or whatever, get it handled. And uh, it slipped my mind. I didn't do it. So that got sent to um, into a warrant, and I had a warrant out for my arrest I was completely unaware of um, for something kind of silly like a, a speeding ticket. And that, I guess, jogged the system that I hadn't got my um, – my registration renewed and I never got like the, they usually send out little papers in the mail saying like, Hey, your registration's about to expire. You just want to really renew online real quick. And I always just do that and it's done and over with. And I never got one. So I just, it just never popped into my mind uh, getting divorced and getting to be a single dad and everything. I just, my car is just, as long as it's got gas in it and the tires are good, then I think that everything's okay, and I completely forgot about registration. So I guess that sparked up um, in the system for the state that my registration was expired, and I was driving on an expired registration. Registration, So that got revoked, and then since I didn't fix it in time, I had a warrant out for my arrest for that as well. So I had two warrants out that I was unaware of. Um, I wish I had warrants out for more badass things than that, but <laughs> literally just a speeding ticket and uh, my registration. So I got pulled over, headed to work. Um, 
officer came up to my window, introduced himself. Um, I'm always very polite with officers and, and authorities. I've never had any problems with police officers um, or anything like that. So very nice. Um, he got my name and took my license and said, okay, I'll, I'll be back in a few minutes. And I was like, oh, great. Okay. Maybe I on my left-hand turn, I went a little fast or I, I wasn't on my phone or anything. So I was trying to think of what, what it could be, why I got pulled over. Um, cause usually they, they, when they tap on your window and you roll down and you talk to them, they're like, Hey, you do realize you were doing a 45 and that 25 back there. Right. And it's not like you can fight it or anything, but, um, anyway, I didn't get any of that. So I was, I was really kind of blown away on why, why I got pulled over in the first place. And I was kind of excited to go to my shift as a server. So, um, it's like, can we get this over with so I can get to work on time and explain to my boss, I got pulled over, yada, yada. Turns out uh, another cop pulls up behind him, and now that cop is talking to the cop that pulled me over. And they're chit-chatting while I'm sitting in my car, um, trying to figure out what the heck's going on and why I got pulled over. Uh, I think, and it's like an ungodly amount of time it feels like uh, it took them to come back to my car. But I rolled down both the windows, uh, looked over the office who, officer who originally pulled me over, and he says, hey, uh, Mr. Larson, I'm going to have to have you step out of the vehicle. And I was like, geez, like what? Like, is this a brown thing? Is it because I'm, I'm tan skin or I, I really, I, I don't know why I would be asked to be pulled out of my vehicle, but nothing but respectful. I haven't done anything against the law, um, but little, well, I wasn't aware. I had two warrants out for my arrest. So he says, I get out of the car and he says, uh, please come to the back of the vehicle and face your back window. I'm going to have to place you under arrest. You have uh, two warrants out for your arrest and proceeds to handcuff me um it was and it was kind of like a weird surreal uh scenario where i'm being handcuffed by a police officer on my way to work for um something i i didn't really wasn't aware of i figured you know if you're a person who's going to get handcuffed by a police officer you kind of know that you've done something um worthy of that you've were you robbed a convenience store earlier or you were carrying meth or you were uh, uh, shipping illegal drugs or something like that in your vehicle and they found out but nope I just had those couple warrants for those couple uh, stupid tickets so he proceeds to handcuff me um, the other officer had to watch just to make sure you know I didn't try to fight back or anything and they, they did thank me for cooperating and, and being so nice because I just kept saying yes sir yes sir where do you want me how do you want me I'll move slow, move quick. Uh, I don't have any weapons on me. I don't carry a gun um, or anything like that. Puts me in the back of his vehicle, and before I know it, I'm on my way to the local jail for processing, which is just something I never thought I'd be doing in my life. <laughs> Not even the slightest. Uh, I've never done anything um, against the law enough to be booked into jail. Uh, there were some times way back when when maybe... Um, I like very early on with my drinking, um, I was maybe pushed a little bit and got behind the wheel when I shouldn't have. And maybe even then I could make the argument that I deserve to be in handcuffs because that's putting myself and other people in danger. But other than that, I've really ne never done anything in my life uh, deserving of being put into handcuffs. So he drives me down to the jail. Uh, he opens up the car. We, I mean, they, they, when you pull up to the jail, they have, they open up a garage door and you go into this area where there's 
all the doors are shut on all sides. So if you try to escape, there's no way you're getting out. Um, and he opens up the door in the, the squad car and I get out and they have me go sit in a chair and I finally get to take off the handcuffs, which he did put on pretty tight, but um, got to take those off. Um, and they take you and they put you against the wall and they have another um, person search you down um, all over, make sure you have nothing to bring into the jail that's going to be useful to get out or escape or anything like that or any drugs. They ask you all these questions like, do you have any health issues that we should be aware of um is there an immediate concern to your health because they want to make sure that you don't have a you know you're not diabetic and your blood sugar is going to spike and you have the possibility of dying while under their watch because then they become liable for you but uh, ask you all these questions ask your name they let me grab a couple numbers out of my phone to call um and I mean, all the, this whole time, I'm just thinking, like, just do what they say. Don't fight back. It's going to be so much better for you if you just be respectful. Um, say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Uh, don't, you don't want to act like you're, you're fighting them or ask too many questions. Then they scan you through a machine and make sure that you really don't have anything up your butt or <laughs> anything like that. Uh, and then I go over to the officer who, who caught me, basically. And uh, he said, well, so we're not going to impound your car. I don't feel like that's necessary with you. I feel like you just really forgot to pay um, these fines and contact. And I was like, yeah, I really just didn't. I wasn't aware. And I knew I, knew I got pulled over. Now I remember. Um, I just didn't realize it had turned into a warrant. I thought I had more time to take care of this. But the registration really just I did not know, um, which I feel really stupid about because, like I said at the beginning, I really do like having all my ducks in a row and um, trying to do all of the requirements for the state to be able to drive my vehicle. No matter how much, no matter how much I do think that they're very silly, I I just don't get why I have to pay over a hundred dollars once a year to like keep telling you that I still own this car. Like I. I, if it changes hands and you still you want to know like the new person and um, who that owner is so that the car doesn't get reported stolen or make sure that the car gets sold to somebody who's allowed to drive it like that makes sense but it's still me I've had this car for like six years now it's still me why do I have to keep telling you that I have my car that part doesn't make any sense you can make me pay for the emissions on it because I get that part to me makes sense you want to make sure that I have um, a car that's not polluting or um, causing any danger to anybody else. That's why most people have to have insurance, at least liability on their car. So if you cause an accident to somebody else or you do prop, uh, property damage to somebody else, you have a way to pay for it. Um, that part, the insurance part makes a little sense, even though I've never used it. So I'm just throwing money out the window. But the regist- registering it once a year um, seems arbitrary to me. But anyways, I forgot to do it. It's part of the rules. I should have done it, um, and I didn't. But basically, uh, the, he says, we're not going to impound your car, but you are going to have to call Spanish Fork Police Department. You're going to have to uh, send an appointment with the, um, the governing body who pulled you over for your speeding ticket, and you're going to have to call the state for your expired uh, registration and get that figured out, and you have court dates for both of those two. 
And I was like, okay. And then he's like, well, today you have a certain amount of bail that needs to get paid. Otherwise, you are going to have to stay here until you can make bail or serve your sentence, whichever the judge decides, which will get you a court date as soon as we can. But we don't really know. Sometimes it can be within a couple of days or it could be weeks. And I'm like, well, I can't. I'm not staying in jail um, for any longer than I have to today. I, like, I was supposed to be at work a couple hours ago and now I'm in jail. So, um, I'll just, I'll, we'll just pay bail. So they take your pictures, <laughs> they fingerprint you. Um, and then there's this waiting area that they sit you in that they can see behind glass. And there's, um, officers that are rotating around and they're already within this waiting area are two guys that are in their like prison jumpsuits with their, bright orange prison crocs on um there's another guy sitting by the phones who i think just got processed just before me because he's still in his regular clothes and then the lady that came in behind me is now coming around the lady side because they have to separate the men and the women and sitting on the women's side and i look at the two dudes in their jumpsuits and i i'm not judgmental i'm not afraid of anybody but these two dudes look like they probably belong there (laughs) It's like the best way to explain them. Just buzzed hair, grumpy ass faces, like tattoos everywhere. Just like you're the guy that if I was going to film a movie or a show about prison, like I would want these two dudes to play some characters because they would just fit right in. Um, And then the dude by the phone uh, is like twitchy and looks like he hasn't slept in a couple days. Like I'm assuming that he was in there for something drug related. Um just like tweaking out on the phone and he's like keep calling people and he's getting more and more frustrated so i try to sit as far away from him as possible but then i sat there for a second before i started making my phone calls because i need to call my work and let them know like i'm gonna be in today i'm just gonna be late after i pay bail um and i'm gonna call my parents to have them pick up my car so it doesn't sit on the side of the road all day um and help me out a little bit um but i sat there right before i made those phone calls and i was like this is kind of the concept of being put under confinement like the like those two here now I, I guess I am going to judge here, but the two guys that were already sitting in there in their jumpsuits look like they killed somebody or got in a fight or robbed the convenience store or like they were they look like hardened criminals and then the dude on the phone tweaking out on some illegal drugs i'm assuming these are all assumptions so forgive me if this sounds like i'm being a dick a little bit but i was like they're like this is so crazy that i just got put into the same holding cell area as these guys who probably have done a lot worse than me maybe not maybe they just got pulled over for um expired registration and and speeding as well i've got no idea but that uh, thought process, I guess, led me down like um, the conversation or the topic that's been going on for a long time where people who are just on recreational use marijuana charges or paraphernalia charges that are in like in that same space that are st- treated and stuck in, a, um, stuck in jail for someone who killed somebody. Like we're all, in the, we're treated the same. We're all in the same spot under the same watch of the same guards with the sentence, with time that we have to be away from our freedom, because um, you recreationally smoked some marijuana, and that someone decided that was elite, like so illegal that you 
are treated the same as somebody who raped or killed somebody. And that, that kind of went through my head and I was like, geez, like I, all I did was not pay my registration. Like if the cop had pulled me over and said, Hey, your registration is expired. Do you want to pay that real quick before we have to do something about it? I would have been like, yes, here's my card. I, I didn't realize. Let me pay it and then pay it and we're on our way. We're done. That's it. But I, because it already got to a place of a warrant, now I have to go and be processed, held against my freedom, unable to go to my work and my job on time, um, just to end up paying anyways. That's all I had to do was pay, and then they let me free. So it was all based off of money. And um, I've listened to people talk about the jail system and how it's basically just humans used as um, money batteries. They're just stuck in their holding cells and used to collect money, make money off of um, there's a whole bunch of backing of, of large businesses and corporations behind it. So this is where my conspiracy brain comes in a little bit because it wasn't cheap. It was super expensive, but it didn't cost them anything. Like maybe it costs like the gas for the cop to drive me down to the cell. Um, the Maybe the hour wages between the three employees because they are employees uh, that had to process me. And then like the dude at the door who had to have me sign some papers and then let me out like that's that was all maybe that's all that I accumulated and it was not near as much as I had to pay to be able to get out. So I just found myself right before I made those phone calls uh, was like, this is crazy that I just missed my expiration. And now um, I'm sitting next to somebody who, who might have actual human blood on their hands. Like this is this is kind of insane. Not that I should have been treated better because what I did was wrong. You need to pay. It's a rule. You need to register your car and you need to pay for speeding tickets. That's the rule. I, I'm fully aware of that. But uh, And I don't deserve to like sit in a nice hotel room and be held against my freedom in a nice hotel room until I got there. But if that makes any sense, it was just really weird to find myself in the same place as someone who's probably done a lot worse. But I'll, I'll move on. Now, I made my phone calls. Um, let work know, um, let my parents know. My dad came and picked me up from the jail, drove me to my car, and then from my car I went to work. Um, and then I had to explain to my boss that I just didn't pay my expira- my expiration, and I got booked, and everybody at work looked at me and was like, really? You went to jail for that? That's insane. I can't believe people go to jail for expired registrations. I've never heard of that. And I was like, yep, me neither. I was completely unaware, but here I am four hours late to work for my shift i still had a great time still made decent money um didn't really affect me the rest of the day or even now i'm like not affected by it It was just like this is a surreal experience where i for five hours i was all of a sudden in this kind of um breath and walk of life that i have never been before in my entire life Uh, and i can see why uh I, i just think of people who spend a long time in that world or in that um mindset how hard it is to break out of it and realize that there's other paths other places to walk around like everyone um or i've heard conversations about like the south side of detroit or south side of chicago sorry chicago detroit in general um compton places in california where there's just crime rampant gang violence rape drugs drive-by shootings every night that are like fireworks excuse me for bumping my mic um but drive-bys that make every night seem like it's the fourth of july because it's just pop 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 all the time but like it's that 
that their reality they're stuck in that reality they just think that's how reality is and none of them have had a shattering or awakening to other walks of life they know about it and they judge it or they talk bad about it because maybe they feel like that's something they can never attain or something they can never get to maybe they're even jealous but uh just because they're aware of it doesn't mean they realize that that's actually an option you can pay your fines you can do your time you can get out and then choose a better walk of life and on a very miniature scale that's basically what i have chosen to chosen to do after my three and a half hour stint um in jail is just make sure that my car is registered about this time every year and um if i ever get pulled over again don't wait more than the they they make it really weird you can't call the just the next day you have to wait five days but not 12 days if that makes sense you have to um you have to wait but you can't wait too long so if you're a procrastinator it just makes it so much worse because you can't just think like i'm gonna take the get this taken care of as soon as possible you have to wait five days which all of a sudden your procrastination kicks in and then life kicks in and then you forget about it and now you have a warrant because you just went five miles over on a on a 80 85 mile an hour freeway and you're going 90 like now you're in jail it's crazy but that's my that's my jail story those are my thoughts about it um Maybe I can have a, another whole episode on the criminal justice system and reform and what I think should be done. But um, I will point out that um, I'm lucky or not that I'm lucky. I just appreciate that I felt safe in the hands of the authority. I never felt like the cop who pulled me over in the first place was going to shoot me or the backup that he called was going to harm me anyway nobody roughed me around the all the employees that i dealt with in the jail were very nice um i i did feel like i was going to be watched or be at least safe while i was under their um their vision with my freedoms taken away i was going to be okay make it out of there okay maybe that's just my happy-go-lucky everything's going to be okay attitude but um yeah i I do feel fortunate that I'm not in a place or have local authorities where I feel like if I got pulled over, I might have all of a sudden have a gun and pointed in my face. And my attitude and the way I do treat um, people of power, I think, helps make sure that'll never happen to me. Because if you're always talking nice, keeping your tone low, answering questions to do the best of your ability without incriminating yourself because you shouldn't give up too much information um, without a lawyer or anything like that present but just treating them like people who have jobs i feel like helps um just tone everything down and letting the cop get home safe to their family and uh you getting home safe to your family as well uh is very important for everybody that's what we try to do every day no matter what we're doing even at my electrical job we try not to yell or scream at each other when things get frustrated or the contractors pushing time on us it's everyone's trying to get home to their families in the same shape they showed up in at work that same day so um yeah and then today uh maybe i should stop and take a breath for a second because <sighs> i feel like that was a it was like a lot of pressure going through that but uh today was actually a really really good day um i got my daughters early um which was fun and i decided to get up in the mountains because I haven't gotten the mountains uh, lately and it's really just relaxing and the smell and just 
being surrounded by the trees here in Utah is absolutely beautiful and breathtaking. So I was like, we're going to go hike up to this, uh, this location. It's called Stewart Falls. Um, it's about a two mile hike. So pushing it for, um, my two year old and my four year old, but I know that they have a lot of energy and it's not really that dangerous of a hike. There's nothing crazy going on. You don't have to get on all fours to go anywhere or do anything. You just have to like watch your step and, um, be careful over roots and protruding rocks and stuff like that. So I felt like they, at that age, they could, they could handle it, which they, they did really, really well. I was really proud of both of them for, um, how they handled kind of the terrain of the hike, but also it was super cool to like be behind them and watch them point out things or they'd see a bird or, um, there was a moment we found a worm crawling across the trail and they both freaked out over it. And I was like, oh they've never seen a worm before like i have to kind of explain a worm to a two-year and a four-year-old like this is fun so i held it in my hands and i was like yeah a worm's got basically it's got two heads and in the middle of all its guts and stuff and if you pull a worm apart i think um it grows heads out of those ends that you snapped in in half and they're like whoa that's crazy what and they were like kind of poking it and touching it which is really cool because they're they're usually pretty afraid of like bugs and insects and stuff but we just had like a like a little learn training session with this worm for a minute. Um, they kept <laughs> both of them kept putting their butts into the dirt and thinking it was super funny to get dirty on uh, the whole way there. Kept calling them dirty bums. Um, and overcast started to come in. So and it's been really hot lately down here in the valley. So have that degree and the temperature drop a little bit and just breathe in the trees and watch them play and have fun and um i brought my water bottle with us because of course it's important to stay hydrated so uh they didn't want they didn't stop for like the first i don't know 30 minutes um and finally i was like hey guys you want to take a break because i was starting to get winded like yeah let's take a break so we found these like the roots that are coming out um kind of on the side sat down for a second got some water and then after that they thought it was funnier and a, and a game to take breaks so we put we take like 30 or 40 steps and then lay back i need a break and we sit down and have some more water and then keep going so i mean it really shouldn't take that long to do two miles it's not nothing you're doing should slow you down that much but uh and ended up taking like i don't know three to four hours to do a four mile hike um with the two-year-old four-year-old but on the way back so we got to the waterfall the stewart falls um oh and when we got there i forgot um there was this lady who jogged past us on the way up there um but so when we got to the waterfall itself she was there and she looked at me and the kids and um my daughters instantly were running in to go play into the river and she's like are you sure you want them playing in the river with their shoes on I was like, okay, lady, like back off. I got this. Uh, yeah, it's fine if they have their shoes on and they get wet in the water. Um, we'll hang out here and I'll get their shoes dry so they don't get sores or rashes on the way back. Like I've got them. Uh, all you have to do is say hi. You don't have to make remarks on my daughter's shoes getting wet. But I just let it pass and I was proud of myself for not taking it personally or not getting mad. And I just was like, yep, they'll be fine. And we uh, kept hanging out by the waterfall. Um, 
and then the the there was this like really dark lo- looming cloud coming over the ridge that I could see and the lady saw it and she looked over to us and she's like are you sure you want to be up here when it's uh, about to start raining and it's gonna be really windy and get really cold like are your daughters gonna be able to handle it are you guys gonna be okay I'm like yes like I've got this we're okay I feel comfortable it's a small trail it's not that bad of a trail we're gonna be okay kind of back off i've i'm the parent here you're a bystander i've got this but i still uh again i'm gonna give myself kudos i still held my cool together and i was just like yep we'll be okay thank you for your concern um and then she was really nice and she's like hey do you want me to take a a couple pictures of you guys while you're up here i was like yes please um so we got our pictures taken and they turned out super adorable and i'll probably post those to the um to the podcast instagram but um and then she wanted me to take her picture, um, and I did. And it's always fun and nice to help out people take uh, photos of their their moments um, and whatnot. But the contrast to this is she left, and then this dude came behind her around the same age. Um, and he was nothing but just like compliments out of his mouth. Where He was just like, oh, it's super awesome seeing um, a dad up here by himself with his with his." daughters like they did they do awesome like they look like they did awesome like yeah we do um they've been doing amazing and they're really good at listening and they've actually been really good at hiking this is their first time like on a kind of a little bit of a major hike he's like oh i think that's the best it's awesome to get up here and enjoy the nature in utah and um they're such a good dad for not just sitting in front of a screen and getting them out into nature. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Like sometimes we do sit behind screens, but yeah, I try to get them out into nature as much as possible. Um, I was like, do you want your picture taken? Like, I take a picture of you guys. Cause I just think this is awesome. And I'm like, no, I'm, I've this lady here. She just took our picture, but thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, where are you from? And we started talking for a second, but I, it was just really kind of weird to the contrast, like, to see um, an an older mom and her like her concern and her care and I that's what I decided that all of her her points were was that she was being caring and having concern and making sure everything was okay versus um, what looked like an older dad who just thought it was awesome that what we're doing which is how I think about whatever I'm doing with my girls that this is just awesome this is fun. Um, I always try to be careful and try to remember safety, but for the most part, I'm just trying to have, um, an enjoyable time, whatever I'm doing. And I, and as I thought about that, I see that reflected through most of my male parenting, um, experiences, all of my friends, dads were always the fun, um, like we can do things that are a little bit risky we don't have to put on the sunscreen today yes you can jump on that trampoline off onto the ground and roll out like it's okay and then most of the moms have been um a little bit more on the careful side and yes you have to have the sunscreen on and no you cannot jump off the tramp you might twist your ankle so um again like with everything the middle part i think is the best the best place to be because helicopter parenting is something I really try to stay away from. Um, if my daughters feel like they're confident and they want to try something that might be a little bit dangerous, then I'm watching them, uh, just in case things do get hairy, but I'm not like literally right behind them telling them exactly where to put their hands and their feet or anything like that. Um, I'm visual, I'm visually there seeing them, but I'm not right next to them. They've got this. I've got to have trust and, um, 
faith that they've got this handled. I don't need to be um, right behind them at, at all times, but I get like that meets the middle of like I'm not going to let them free climb the side up the side of a, a rocky a, a rocky face and they have their own fears about heights and things like that so i don't expect them to do, be doing anything that dangerous but it all boils down to there's a really good median medium point in um like safety versus having fun and when i'm being a single dad by myself i have to embody both of those because their mom's not around and the lady side or the caring side in me isn't really activated that much and I should really practice um, kind of bringing that out a little bit more, I think. But um, yeah, we started hiking back and then that cloud did come in and it just started dumping. It was just pouring um, and it dropped a couple degrees and then it started hailing on us. Uh, and at this point, my oldest did get, um, I think she cracked a little bit under the being cold and being rained on which is understandable she's like a four-year-old um so started to get cold and uncomfortable made a the long hike back um so i found one of the like the big pine trees with um the, and you could see that it was dry underneath because there was like this ring and then it was wet everywhere else we sat under there and i huddled we, we had a little huddle and i just looked them both in the eyes i was like hey I know it's cold. I know we have got a long way back to the car, but let's just be extra careful where we step because things are going to be wet. Um, and then Layla's like, oh, I'm cold, Dad. I'm cold, though. It's like, okay. So I took off my shirt. She wore my shirt and put my collar over her head, and she had her hands sticking up my sleeves like just a couple inches. She was basically wearing a dress, and I tied a knot in the bottom. I was like, okay, you get to wear my shirt. I'm going to carry Thea on my back, and we're just going to kind of hustle, but we're going to watch our watch our steps and be safe and, and get back to the car. Um, and she did fall a couple times on the way back. And um, when it's cold and you fall on rocks, I don't know if any of you have ever been cold and like fallen out on the asphalt in front of your house, but it hurts a hundred thousand times worse than when you fall when it's warm. Um, I don't know why, but it does. So she falls and she cries a lot and I'm trying to hustle and, keep everybody's mood up but still enjoy the hike and still enjoy nature but i don't want to risk being caught in like a thunderstorm or anything too risky um but it's just a little bit it's some rain and some hail it's really not that big of a deal but it's not ideal weather to be hiking in for the two-year-old and a four-year-old so we we hustled she's kind of crying a little bit because of her hands and i keep taking stops and breaks under dry spots that we can just making sure that they're both okay um and then we get back to the car and I get the heater going. We I get the buckled up in the car seats and uh, I'm like, okay, cool. So we're going to hang out this weekend because I'm going to have them this weekend. I was like, all right, cool. We're going to hang out this weekend. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And we're going to go hiking again. And I expected um, both of them to be like, oh, no, absolutely not. We don't want to go hiking again. This sucked. This was the worst. And they were like, yes, can we please go hiking again, Dad? I want to go hiking again. Let's go to a new waterfall. I'm going to go hike and see a new waterfall. And that just brought a whole bunch of joy um, and good feeling with me that like the rain didn't ruin their experience and that trying something new and going out into the wilderness with them, they enjoyed it because it's it's kind of like a sigh of relief when your kids like to do the same things that you do because um, you could always try and you always hope and they have they're a part of you so the mo it's a better chance that they're gonna um 
like the things that you like to do, but I was really worried that hiking back in the rain and the cold was going to ruin their experience and their taste, put a bad taste in their mouth for hiking, but it didn't. And, um, I was really grateful for that. And it was just a really good, warm feeling. Um, when they said that they couldn't wait to do it again and they had a lot of, a lot of good times or had a good time with me. So yeah, uh, that was really fun, but yeah. Uh, other than that, I think that's just all that's been going on with me for the, the past couple days. Uh, the, Oh, um, I have been getting really into, uh, golfing, um, and trying to figure that sport out, um, better. I've always, it was something that me and my dad did from a very early age. He took, it was just me and him out on the golf course and him teaching me and, um, riding around the golf cart. And then I was finally old enough to drive the golf cart. And that was like my favorite part about golfing was driving the golf cart (laughs) as a kid. That was the best part. Um, and, and figuring it out and getting better. And it's something I, I even tried out for like the junior high team. I didn't make it, which is fine, but I still played after that. And it's always been something that I've done. Um, and that me and my brother really enjoyed doing. And that there's friends in high school that I golfed with almost, almost once a week, twice a week throughout the summers, uh, going through high school, we would golf all the time with Tyson and Skylar McCade. But, um, something that I never really aimed to be like that good at or figure it out that much. Cause it's kind of expensive. Clubs aren't cheap. Going every time isn't cheap. Um, even practicing, you have to pay for balls to go to the driving range and practice. So that's, it's not cheap just to even practice. Cause if you played basketball and you want to practice basketball, all you need is shoes, a flat surface and a hoop and a ball and the hoops permanent. So you could use it at the school or the park and, or at the gym balls are, after you buy one ball as long as it doesn't become flat and you take semi good care of it you only need one ball um and then shoes and you can really wear whatever shoes you want there are better shoes and worse shoes but you can practice basketball pretty much whenever you want um under those circumstances golf you need a driving range because uh, you're sometimes you're going to hit balls 150 200 yards so you need at least that much space uh every time you hit a ball you can't reuse that same ball unless you want to hit in a field that's 200 yards, go find that ball and then bring it back and then hit again and then somehow remember the difference between the two hits and be able to practice that. So you do have to pay to practice. You have to pay to play. You have to pay to have good clubs, decent clubs are like a a big factor. Um, I'm pretty sure Michael Jordan could wear Vans or Air Jordans and still be the same decent basketball player. But if you bought a Walmart club set versus the, a brand new set of Callaways and gave them to Phil Mickelson, he could do way better things with the Callaway clubs than he could do with the Walmart clubs. He's still going to be a def- decent golfer with the Walmart clubs, but the difference in his scores is going to be dramatic uh, between the two, I believe. So the clubs matter, paying for the course matters, paying for practice matters. So it's expensive, and that's why I've never really aimed to be that amazing at it. Um, but lately I have had the opportunity to go with a bit more and watch some videos and kind of explain it and have it explained to me what like the objective should be in like a proper golf swing. Um, so I'm uh, lately I've been practicing and, um, I'm really hoping to kind of learn it. It's just this thing 
kind of like spirituality um, and becoming whole and peaceful or like a better person, it's you're never going to get to be like perfect. You're not always going to do everything correct in your life. You're going to get pulled over and get sent to jail. You're going to be caught in a thunderstorm while you're hiking. You're you're gonna have bad conversations where you think that you could have said things better or chosen better diet options or things like that. That's always gonna happen. And that's the same with golf. You're never gonna hit always constantly perfect shots. You're not gonna nail every single putt you take. It's not it's just not gonna happen. But just like with all of the life stuff in golf, you can always aim to be just a little bit better than you were the time that you went before. So it's the similarity between my spiritual journey and what I'm trying to do to become more spiritually connected, spiritually mindful, um, heal, become more peaceful really is mirrored through this new kind of endeavor that I've been going on lately with golf and trying to get better and improve, um, as uh, small steps every time, try to pay attention to everything. Um, the body to, mind connection is really crazy um within that sport which i like i like testing my brain and making me think about how i should move and what i'm trying to do with the shot that i'm about to take and it's also really fulfilling being out in nature all golf courses are out in the world um in the sun so you're out there in the sun with your friends and you're playing the sport that we're all trying to be better at so it's been a really fun experience um, being a golfer, and I really appreciate um, and thankful to my dad for teaching me all these those years ago because I've had so many great memories and experience and friendships since then because of it. So, um, yeah. But I think that's it. I think that's all I have to get out on today's podcast. I did want to mention that I was the next podcast or the last podcast, I did say that the next episode, I was going to have my brother on Cooper as a co-host, but I still haven't figured out how to record from two mic sources. So I'm going to get that figured out and I will have him jump on here um, to talk and get a podcast in with him and probably move throughout my family um, as uh, having guests on here um, would be kind of the next steps. I think it'd be really cool. Because how often do you really get, if you think about it, how often do you get the chance to really sit down and just talk with any of the people that are close with you? Yes, you have experiences and you might go shopping with your mom or you might go golfing with your dad. Um, perfect example there. But throughout that experience, there's little parts where we talk or l- things that we share or stories that we say to each other or jokes that we have. But never, ever, forever, never have I ever sat down with my dad just a chair one-on-one and just talk to him for three hours and just seeing where the conversation goes and every chance that i've had to do that with people like my brother um and the podcast that i had with sadie and elena i just you just feel so full and happy afterwards the connection um that you have um being expressed with people like that is amazing um that here i I'm going to keep going, I guess, but it reminds me, um, I was, we were sitting upstairs, uh, we were talking about politics and how it's, it's so hard to just have a conversation with someone who thinks from the opposite of part of the aisle than you and how quickly things get hostile. But I remember 
my grandpa, while he was still around, um, his views changed over the years and he became someone who viewed uh, politics in the world from a different point of view than me, which was completely okay. Still loved him the same. He's my grandpa. I love him to death. I love him always. But we were able to sit down um, at his house when I had time and just sit and talk about things, bounce ideas off of each other, share perspectives uh, and views from different points uh, and have just a really genuinely open, um, what's the word? Uh, not conversation, but I, that's basically what I'm trying to say in a more fancier way. Was was it called? Um, I'm gonna remember it. I'm sorry, you guys are gonna hear me just think for a second. Uh, conversation. It's called a. Ah, I had it on the tip of my tongue, and now it's gone, and. It, if any of you know what I'm trying to say, now you're uh, screaming it in your heads and you're screaming it at me. It's called a... Uh, maybe I'll look it up, but basically um, we were able to sit down and have those times where we talked even from different points of views without ever getting to a place of hostility. Um, and maybe our relationship being grandfather and grandson kind of saved us from that. But I've I've also had that experience with people at like bars... Um, in different places where it's a different point of view, but they were able to listen to what I had to say. I was able to listen to what they had to say and we were able to keep going. And it was just this really amazing feeling after you get done with those, uh, talks, just, I connected with someone and we had a genuinely good conversation and, um, and it's very soul filling. It's soul food. So that's exactly the same feeling I got after doing that, that podcast. All right. Synonyms for conversations. I normally don't like to look, pull out my phone and, look things up but it's not a discussion it's a dialogue yeah dialogue maybe nah i don't know but we'll leave it on that um i really want to thank and um i'm so appreciative of sadie and elena for having me on um letting me talk about hard things like my divorce and what happened to me um and the the change of kind of the world that i lived in my reality um, and being able to at least say that out loud to anybody else who might hear it and think that they're going through something completely on their own and ice on their own and being isolated. And like I talked about before on my, um, on the crap, what podcast was that? I can't even remember my own podcast. That's embarrassing. But I talked about how if things, if there's a problem or something that goes wrong in your life, that isolating and feeling like this is only happening to you and you're the only one with these feelings is the wrong way to go. That there's a community and other people who have been through that. If I sparked that with somebody by opening up on um, Sadie and Elena's podcast, Living in the Question, um, and somebody heard that and felt that spark and felt like they weren't alone, then that's, then I've, that would be amazing and i'm so glad to help out anybody who feels like their world is crumbling underneath their feet so i'll leave uh saint elena's podcast living the question in the notes and description of this podcast um if any of you have any topics ideas things you want me to expand upon things that i've said that you want more explanation on please don't be afraid to hit me up on my podcast it's speaking to the verse pod um on instagram 
also it's the same as my Gmail. So if you, um, you can DM me on Instagram or you can do speaking to the verse at gmail.com, send me an email with ideas or anything like that. Love to hear from anybody who listens, but, um, yeah, this is always just going to be a, a place for me to vent and let out my ideas and, and journal. So, um, continue to have a great life. Everybody wish you everyone the best and bye-bye.